Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brad Mickley, lead of the Developer Program and Tools Business Unit at Red Hat. Uh, Brad, we're going to talk about the Red Hat Developer Program experience and kind of this new era of post-era of acquisition by IBM. Brad, welcome to the DevOps Chat. Thanks very much for having me. I've been a fan of the uh, of DevOps.com for quite a while, and so it's exciting to be able to talk with you today. Well, thank you. We're a fan of you and a fan of Red Hat. So <laughs> let's uh, start out by having you just introduce yourself. So if there are some folks who don't know who you are, introduce yourself a little bit of what you do at uh, Red Hat. Absolutely. So uh, I run the Developer Tools Program and Evangelism Group at, uh, here at Red Hat. Uh, I'm actually fairly new to Red Hat. I've been here about two years. Uh, came in to Red Hat via the acquisition of Code Envy, uh, which is a little startup out of uh, California that I was part of, mm-hmm. although I'm based in Toronto, uh, <laughs> Canuck Power. Um, so oh, you, had, you had to get that in. Good for you. I did. I did. <laughs> I always have to get that in. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so that's, um, you know, so our mandate really is to make, kind of help the whole organization in, you know, reaching out to developers. We have the developer program uh, where developers can come and get great content on topics like Kubernetes and Java and Linux, as well as things like security programming, um, DevOps, uh, of course, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a number of other things. Uh, we pair, kind of marry that with a set of developer-oriented tools that support our projects and our products. And uh, evangelism is done as well, of course, in the upstream communities and events and other places to help developers become aware of what they may not know, which is that Red Hat is not just the Linux company, although, of course, that's a huge part of what we do. Uh, We do so many more things than that in the open source. Well, it seems certainly... Red Hat is the model for you know a, uh, a program like that with the developer community, with the user community, and and you all have done a fantastic job of expanding that into other areas. Talk a little bit about it's it's more than just the operating system. Tell about tell us about what some of those things are. Yes, well, of course, right now uh, a lot of the buzz is around Kubernetes, and a lot of people don't realize that Red Hat is actually the second largest uh, contributor and committer to the Kubernetes project. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we've been probably the second largest contributor for pretty much the entire history of Kubernetes, but but a lot of times it just goes unnoticed. Uh, We run SIGs, a number of different things out in the open source for that that project and the related projects like Tecton, like Knative, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge focus for us right now and something that is, I'm certainly very passionate about personally having come like I said, to, uh, to Red Hat via a very container-oriented company. But beyond that, we have, of course, our middleware portfolio is huge and has been around for you know, well over a decade with you know, OpenJDK uh, mm-hmm. is, of course, a, a Red Hat project. We've got all of our middleware solutions, whether it be you know, JBoss or some of our integration platforms like Fuse, uh, our automation platforms. Uh, so there's really a, a ton of different things, and, and it really is something that is exciting about being here for me because there is a lot of stuff for developers. Um, Although people think of us as a very kind of ops-centric company, we've always had developers at heart. And certainly 
you know, it's a, it's a company of engineers, really, um, which is probably why in some cases we, people don't know all these things we do because we're engineers, not marketers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you well, know, so, write a lot of software you do. <laughs> that's right, exactly. So. so, I mean, you know, it's not just Linux. I know you've contributed to Java, like IDEs, if I remember. I think you contributed to Eclipse or something. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We were one of the, the kind of early contributors and continue to, to contribute to the Eclipse desktop IDE, as mm-hmm. well as other Eclipse projects were actually one of the key, um, I guess, contributors to the Eclipse cloud development top-level project and, the, and to various projects under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. But also, and this is kind of mind-blowing perhaps for, for some people who haven't been tracking where Red Hat has been going over the last several years, we publish a large number of plugins for the VS Code IDE mm-hmm. and Microsoft's, uh, Microsoft's yeah. yeah Azure DevOps. And you know, certainly there was a time, maybe what, a decade ago when the idea of Red Hat and, and Microsoft hanging out together would have been just inconceivable. But There's uh, been a lot of red. That's about it. <laughs> yes, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I, those, those plugins have done fantastically well for us. Uh, the Java support that you have in VS Code is, uh, you know, comes from Red Hat and has, I want to say, well over 16 million downloads at this point. So wow. just incredible stuff. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how the developer community, you, you could kind of, picture back to the Java days when you were just Java and that was it and that was the solution to everything. And while Kubernetes has certainly set the world on fire, it's, containers really has, but it's interesting what, what I see is how much the developer communities kind of cross and intersect with each other and work with each other, both at the vendor level, at the company level, and just at people developing software. So yeah, you may have a favorite in Microsoft or Google or you know in Amazon for a hosting environment or whatever, OpenShift, something like that. Uh, but people do a lot more work together, it seems like to me. Is that your experience? Absolutely. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm like you, uh, of a certain age where like, I remember the people used to just identify themselves as I'm a Java developer. I'm I a remember developer. when, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's Java right. days. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I mean, today, that's not really the case. Uh, pretty much everybody codes in a couple different languages, at least, uh, sometimes more than that, and has personal projects and the work projects. And so I think it's just become the norm for developers to kind of pull from many different uh, areas of the community, you know, getting inspiration from different areas and bringing things together in a way that just works for whatever their particular project need is. You know, it's, it may be a, a causality, it may be the source of it, but things like DevOps, things like Agile, it's really changed the way we even think about creating software, the way we form teams, you know, shift left, yeah, there's organizations where they're trying to sell into a customer base that those people are different now. The security people are part of a dev team and they're learning development. And in a way, it's it's both creating a lot of new business models and operating models and how we create software. It's also creating question marks and maybe even some confusion for some vendors, manufacturers of I don't know if I understand DevOps yet, but I sure got to figure it out because that's where the world is going. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I'll just say, like, thank goodness it is. Because <laughs> um, I certainly <laughs> don't miss the way software used to be developed. Oh, um, come on, those silos. Oh, those were the fun <laughs> days, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's interesting too, as, as, again, as you know, from our perspective, a lot of what you see in good DevOps practices is similar to what you see in a healthy open source community. 
You have, you know, people coming to the whole point of an open source community is that it is open and everybody really is on the same team. Mm -hmm. And there isn't so much the, the straight lines of, hey, this group in the community only deals with security and this group only deals with that. People, mm -hmm. people do blend. They bring whatever skills they have, whatever experience they've got. Can and choose what you want to work on, right? Exactly. That's right. And I think you, you, when you see great DevOps teams or, pardon me, great teams that follow DevOps principles, I think you see something very similar where it isn't so much like, hey, I'm Brad, I'm the ops guy in this DevOps you know, world. You know, Mitch is the dev guy in, the, uh, you know, in this world. It's not like that. It's just you know, I come and I say, hey, I've hit this security issue, so let's not do it this way. Let's do it this way and we'll avoid it. And I think that that's really what makes it exciting. You know, you've, you've connected those two dots of open source and DevOps in a new way for me. And maybe we really do need to credit open source for creating that kind of work team environment that's evolved now into this DevOps structure. So it makes sense to me. I mean, look where open source has come in just in the last 10 years, more or less before that. So I'm really curious to, it's a rare occasion we get to speak with someone who's really kind of overseeing and leading on such a big community of contributors and users of all the Red Hat technology. What, what does that take? What's a day in the life of Brad like? Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I think one of the things I love about my job, honestly, is that um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit, I get bored easily. Um, and so mm. this is a job that is never boring. Um, I've come from more of an engineering side and product side. So for me, it's pretty natural to be hopping around investigating new projects, um, you know, jumping into GitHub repos and, and looking at, at pull requests and contributor stats and seeing kind of how is the community and the engagement within different projects changing mm. over time. That's, that's all, you know, just kind of part of kind of who I am and how I work. The part that's interesting and fun for me is, you know, now hitting more of the program side and the marketing side and, you know, working with folks who are thankfully much, much more experienced than I am on my team in this area and learning from them about, you know, how we can reach out to developers, how we can get uh, our message heard by them and then helping other folks, both within Red Hat and outside, to understand kind of the, the best way to speak to developers. And I'm, I think, really, really proud, I guess, of the way that the approach that engineers naturally have to their job, which is one of kind of no nonsense, no hyperbole, mm -hmm. just, you know, just the facts, please. Let, yeah. me, let me judge for myself whether this is the greatest thing since sliced bread or whether it's irrelevant to me. And I think that I'm starting to see, and I, and I like this, that more and more aspects of marketing, even beyond developer marketing, are waking up to this, that this idea of we're the number one isn't the best way to market. Mm -hmm. but it's really more about saying, we do this, we do that, and we do the other thing. And if you need those three things, then we might be the best thing for you. And if you don't need any of those three things, then you probably don't care. Man, and I, that's could okay. go on, I could go on a tangent of how many sites, vendor sites I've been to and said, I read your site. I have no idea what you do, but a <laughs> nice site. It, that's a huge thing, you know, and it's one of those things that I've always been very passionate about when it comes to positioning and content is, and again, it comes from that engineering background is I don't want adverbs. I don't want adjectives. Mm. I just want a description of what save it is. Save the hyperbole. Yes, right? save the hyperbole. Tell me what it is in plain English, and then I'll tell you if it's useful for me. Mm -hmm. it, it's much more of a transparent and kind of honest relationship with the customer or the user where we're not trying to flower it up. Yes, we're trying to 
yes, put the put our light on it, but in a way that they're going to consume it. Because you're right, they're not going to take the hyperbole and the the you know we're the world's best of everything. We know you're not right. I'll well, exactly, and I think technology. That's right, and I think if you show people that respect, you know, they they reward you, um, and ultimately as a business, even because you know Red Hat is not a not a um, you know, an NGO, we're a business, we make money. Mm -hmm. I'd always rather go to somebody, tell them exactly what they do and know that either right away, they're going to say, not for me and walk away and I lose them. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I was never going to win them, (laughs) you know, and I'm, so now I can focus on the people who didn't walk away right away. And now I know that I've got a better chance of kind of converting them to, to, to my products. Well, you know, one of the topics I wanted to cover with you is not too long ago, the uh, IBM Red Hat, merger acquisition had uh, been completed. And I'm sure you're not an expert on all things in the merger (laughs) and all things that happened, but what kinds of, if you can share with us, uh, and if not, that's okay. What kind of things have you heard from the community? What questions are they asking you now that you're part of IBM and, and how have you responded? I know you wrote a blog post about some of these things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, let me just start actually by saying that this acquisition personally kind of blew my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. when, I, when I first got the, the email, it actually was one of those emails I had to read two or three times to make sure I was actually reading it <laughs> properly. Um, is this, because, is this uh, April 1st? What, yeah, what happened? Really? I mean, because $34 billion for a company that has nearly no IP. Like mm-hmm. that, when I read that, having been through numerous acquisitions in the past and, you know, having been close enough from an executive level to them that I, you know, was involved in negotiations for how much is, is this company worth based on how much money does it make, based on how much IP does it have, all those normal questions, I thought, that's incredible. What an incredible kind of proof point of the value and increasing dominance of open source. And the community. Some, that's and the, the power of the community. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. And the power of the community, $34 billion in terms of the, in terms of value of that community. Amazing. Um, you know, so I think what's understandably the, you know, initial reaction from many people, um, you know, both in the community and, and inside Red Hat and, and elsewhere was a bit of skepticism on how this would turn out. Of course. You expect you know? It's only natural, right? It's We've only seen natural. These things That's happen right. before they go well, they could not go well. Yeah. We hope, you yeah. know, what's, what's going to happen to us? That's right. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to forget. Um, one of the benefits of having worked in DevTools is, you know, I've been close to this, but IBM has, you know, contributed to open source for a long time now. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. That doesn't make them like Red Hat. I mean, right. Red Hat is quite different and quite unique in, in the way that we don't really have any proprietary products. Um, but, you know, at least they are open source aware and have been contributing to open source, and especially, like I said, around DevTools. That's really been the whole way that they've done their DevTools. Um, you know, so I'm optimistic. And, and kind of in my blog, I talked about the fact that the plan is for the developer program of IBM and the developer program of Red Hat to remain separate. And there's a commitment from both sides to do that. And it was funny because going into my very first conversation with my IBM colleagues to try and discuss this, I was honestly quite nervous. I thought, you know, I'm going to go in there. I don't know these people. And the first thing I'm going to say is not very embracing. It's going to be, we're going to keep these things separate, guys. I'm sorry, you're not touching my, my program. Got to go in there swinging, fighting that's for right. what's important. Right? Exactly. And I said, that's exactly what it was. I said, you know, this is important to me. So I've got to start there. What 
amazed me. And it was, I think, a very, very nice thing to see is that from the very beginning, it wasn't even a question. They were like, well, oh yeah, of course it's going to remain separate. Like you, you need to be separate. You have all that kind of credibility that you've developed over 20 years with this community and within open source. And we don't want to change that. That's why you're worth $34 billion. So now um, you got my head spinning. Why do you think, how did they come, they, the, the folks putting the deal together, how did they come to that conclusion so clearly where you didn't have to convince them? Well, I think that to, to their credit, there are a lot of smart people in IBM. And sure. You know, they looked at Kubernetes, they looked at Linux and said, and, and our Java, and really said, hey, you know, these are three core components, not just in people's, you know, data centers today, but in the, in the way that IT and development will work together in the future. And so if we go and try and take them, you know, buy it and then grab this stuff and make it proprietary and, you know, do all those things, which frankly, a lot of people would have expected them to do. There's nothing stopping everybody from walking away. Mm-hmm. There are alternatives mm-hmm. and people vote with their feet. So I think that they had the clarity of mind to say, if we do that, we're going to be buying a company and then destroying the value of our investment. If on the other hand, we allow that company to run as it has and instead give ourselves, IBM, the ability to focus our our resources and thinking on parts of this portfolio like OpenShift, like Red Hat Enterprise Linux, so that we can kind of add additional weight and momentum behind them. And I think that's that's really where they see the ongoing value. It's it's awesome that they did that. And I I think one of the characteristics of something as a community built around it like this is people make an emotional connection to the brand and to the community, right? They believe in Red Hat. They believe in what this group is developing and the approach that they're, we're taking with open source and, and uh, you know, being free contributors to it and having that flexibility. And so they don't want to lose that. So it's super smart to keep, not saying there's anything wrong with the IBM developer program, but it has its characteristics too. And blending them, you instead of getting the best of both, you might get the worst of both. I, so I think that that was stuff. exactly the thought: is that if you blend them, you're going to get actually the worst of both, not the best. And mm-hmm. and their program has, like you said, a bunch of strengths that ours doesn't have. Like we are not able to cover the breadth of topics that they are. We just don't have the size or expertise mm-hmm. to do that. And so we're, we don't try. Um, you know, that's that's something that's great for them, and and they have a killer program. And if you you know if you haven't. Todd Moore wrote a, from IBM wrote a great blog about the acquisition about kind of his excitement, mm-hmm. um, and then from the community perspective, uh, Chris Wright on the on the Red Hat team also had a, a wonderful blog on kind of what it means for the community. But you're you're 100 correct. The feeling of the community towards Red Hat, and that was one nice thing about the acquisition. Although a lot of people were very vocal about. You know, because I was on on Hacker News when it happened and trying to respond to some of the what, some mm. of the threads that pra- popped up. And people were very vocal about, I you know, this feels like it's going to be the end of of Red Hat. What was you know, and obviously I I don't feel that, um, but I understand where they're coming from. What was nice though is that it it shows the degree to which they cared. Um, you know, there was genuine feelings of sadness in those in those posts, even though they're, you know, they're not, you can't hear the voice, you could kind of mm-hmm. just feel through the post, somebody saying, Oh, this is the end of if this is the end of Red Hat, that would be a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I don't think it will be like I said, but um, 
Well, you know, it was done well on the front end, this decision about the developer mm -hmm. communities. And, you know, of course, just like we were talking about marketing to developers, that transparency, that honesty, the proof's in the pudding too, right? It's exactly. In the end, that's what will convince folks of, yeah, it is. And maybe it's a little better, maybe it's a lot better, maybe it's the same, but it's at least got what we love about it. So that's what you hope happens. Well, exactly. And that's, that was kind of my repeated message. It's been my repeated message, you know, since then, which is actions speak louder than words. So mm -hmm. I can tell you everything is going to be, you know, the same uh, as it was. And, or sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that because nothing <laughs> ever remains the same in technology. Even if we hadn't been acquired by IBM, <laughs> things would change. Um, but, you know, that, uh, that the core of Red Hat will remain the same will still be there. But, you know, people should watch everything we do. And, you know, if they see something that, that they feel isn't true to mm -hmm. them, it should be called out. Well, we'd love to have you on for another episode, maybe a little, a little ways down the road if there's some news or just to check in on how in the community and how's this unfolded. Um, Brad, I want to thank you, Brad Mickley, uh, who is a lead in charge of the uh, developer program. Uh, at uh, Red Hat. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mitch. It was a pleasure. Uh, pleasure has definitely been mine. I also want to thank you, your listeners, for joining us. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com. You've listened to another DevOps chat. Be careful out there.